And we are back with Nobody Asked You. I am your humble, humble host, Vineet freaking Joshi. That is my real middle name, by the way. Not really. Take a joke. Um, I'm a 20-some-year-old college student, and I'm ready to rock your socks off. I'm so excited because I did another... I did a previous episode three of this podcast, and after I listened to it, I'm like, first of all, I have terrible mic technique. I don't want to sit through like two hours of 20-minute audio muting all of my stupid breaths. Like, (gasps) that's what it sounds like. Yeah, imagine having to edit that shit every five seconds of a 20-minute audio. It's ridiculous. Hopefully, in this audio, it won't be that bad. But, you know, who knows? This is only my, like, what? I haven't even done this, like, 20 times, including the the test episodes. Um, you don't know this, but before I actually re- posted my first episode of this podcast, I did a couple episodes as trial runs, and they were all garbage. Garbage. Class A garbage. I did a previous episode three, and after I listened to it, yeah, the breath, the breath sounds were just terrible, and also just the material was subpar to my liking. So now, uh, I came prepared with things that are remotely interesting <laughs> that can make for a decent enough podcast that won't make me feel like I should quit and jump off the Empire State Building. So, <laughs> so I came, I came prepared, I came prepared with some good-ass material. So, like Philip DeFranco says, let's just jump right into it. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that Biggie Smalls documentary on Netflix, but dude, it is awesome. Um, it's funny because that's the first documentary where I knew so much already about the subject of it. So it seemed like so short to me. I was like, I was hoping, like they went over all the major events in, you know, Biggie Small's life. I mean, to be fair, he only lived to be 24 and only had like a few years of fame before he got shot. So it would make sense if, you know, the documentary weren't like three hours long. Um, But Still, you know, there's there was just so much that this guy dealt with and so much to talk about his career as short-lived as it was. The guy just like flew through like the same number of com- of accomplishments that another person would take a lifetime to, you know, achieve. Um they spent less time on the Tupac beef than I thought they should or, or that I thought they would have, but You know, I mean, but that's not what I wanted to talk about regarding the documentary. What's cool is that one of Biggie's friends, you know, at the time, it was like the 80s. So recording, you know, vlogging and stuff wasn't like it wasn't something typical that people did. Nowadays, everyone's vlogging. But back then, the guy was like, back then he had a purpose. (laughs) Like, because what he was vlogging was actually good shit like nowadays when someone vlogs or or makes a a podcast you know it's like they talk about the most mundane things 
Oh my God, this is so ironic. They talk about the most mundane things and it's like, no one gives a flying fuck about what you have to say or what your life is like. Oh my God, so ironic. But this guy, Biggie's friend, everything that he recorded was like golden material. Cause like, I mean, it's freaking Biggie Smalls. And my favorite part out of the whole documentary was the first clip of the recording that his friend made. I don't even know his friend's name. But literally, it was so hilarious. The guy is record. This is this clunky camcorder or whatever camera that they had back in the, I don't know, 80s or 70s, 80s. And he's rec- he's like, there's this guy all in street gangster wear and <laughs> like a gold chain. And he's recording the mirror. And it's like the only other videos that I've seen, you know, on a camera that big were my baby videos, right? Because like no actual good digital cameras were invented until the, you know, 2010s or something, right? So all my baby videos were recorded on that same kind of clunky, huge camcorder. So I've always associated that like camcorder with my parents because they were the ones who held it. And to see this guy hold the same kind of camera in all gangster wear and a gold chain recording himself in a mirror the guy literally <laughs> he was saying um yeah we out here filming this shit so you know what the fuck we about motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> and he had a his hat was on sideways and I'm just like dude you're not gangster when you hold some camera that big dude Oh my god. But back in the day, of course he was gangster. I mean that guy was fucking like he was he was they were fucking like jackrabbits, just all the groupies. But it's just so hilarious because like nowadays when you think of rappers, you think of like you don't th- it's just like you can't help but compare that guy to today's standards. And it was so hilarious. Just imagine for a second. Imagine for a second, like 6'9", right? I, I think he's a, like a... Or, or Kodak Black or, or Lil Yachty or something like that, right? Actually, no. I need, to, I, need to, I need to come up with a figure that people actually take remotely seriously. Joey Badass. Oh, no. Post Malone. Post Malone. Imagine Post Malone... Actually, no. ASAP Rocky. Who is a relevant rapper nowadays? I swear to God. Roddy Rich. Roddy Rich. Okay, people people take him seriously, right? Roddy Rich. Imagine Roddy Rich filming a video online, right? That he posted online. And in the video, he's holding the biggest, clunkiest camcorder, the size of a triple stuffed Oreo bag. All right, I'm talking that big. Where it has like the, the little um, lace on the side that you put your hand through, you know what I mean? And recording himself in the mirror saying, yeah, man, we were going to record this shit so you know what the fuck we about, motherfucker. Yeah, try not to laugh your ass off. And, but every other thing that they filmed was fucking awesome. It was just that one beginning scene where it's like, you cannot look gangster with a camcorder that big. Unless you're in the 80s, which he was, to be fair. But I digress. 
Oh man, what else is new? Dude, it's so hilarious. It's so hilarious when white people try so hard not to be racist, but don't know what else to say. Like, I remember Welcome Week in Welcome Week of when I, you know, first, you know, got to college as a freshman. Um, there was this other guy on my floor, Dylan, and there was like another brown kid another Indian kid that moved in the same day um, as, as me, just a couple doors down. And I met Dylan on that same floor. He was also a few doors down the other way. And at that time, when we all first arrived, we all arrived, we happened to arrive together. So we were all moving in. And then, um, you know, all our parents left and we were on our own. And then I remember going down to the lobby to go out to get something to eat. Dylan was also going down and he had his other friends from high school come down. So we were all in the same elevator and Dylan didn't know the other brown kid. Um, so, I mean, I know his name, of course, but you know, I'm not gonna say his name. I'm sure Dylan will be okay with me saying the story though. Um, okay, whatever the fuck, his name is Raj. So Dylan, uh, as we were going down in the elevator, he, he didn't know Raj, right? But you know, he thought that I did. So <laughs> he's like, hey, Vinny, uh, who's that other um, Indian kid on our floor? And the moment he said Indian, all of his white friends, like all of his friends were white. All of his friends, just a unanimous. <gasps> oh. <laughs> they were all just like, oh. Like, it was so hilarious. And I was just like, um, why did you guys do that? And then, you know, obviously I was like, you know, oh, his name is, his name is Raj. And then I asked his white friends like, hey, um, guys, what was up with the ginormous gasp? And then they were like, oh, well, we just, we just didn't know how to react. Uh so you throw your friend under the bus like that? Ugh, not good friendship. It's crazy. Hey, guys, let's just, I know, like, it's important to pay attention to race, but that's only because, the only time I ever pay attention to race is when we're talking about, like, police brutality. Or, like, the fact that we have certain races that are, completely disenfranchised or prejudiced uh, against by the police department. Um, but other than that, there's no reason to, like, think about race as, like, a thing that should be of importance. Like, it really shouldn't. It should be like, wow, I didn't, like, it's, it's just like, oh, my God. It's like, I'd rather have an Asian doctor than a white doctor. It's like, well, fuck you, dude. They're both doctors. You know what I mean? I'd rather have an Asian tutor than a black tutor or a white tutor. Oh, fuck you, dude. How about... How about you take a really big dose of horse tranquilizer? Please, for all of us. What else is new on the docket, dude? I'm just... Um, there's no transition. I'm just coasting. Actually, I'm not coasting. I'm just... What's the opposite of coasting? I'm going all over the place with this, with these topics. You want to know the most depressing thing I've ever seen is when my family and I took a cruise 
to Alaska. Um, actually, it was in Alaska. Or was it in Florida? I think we went to Florida. We took a cruise all the way up to Alaska. Anyway, um, bro, it was... I don't know where we started, but the cruise... We stopped at like three ports, and one of them was called Ketchikan. K-E-T-C-H-I-K-A-N. I don't know. But all you need to know about it was that the weather there... The average weather there was gloomy as hell, no sun at all. It looked like every day was a scene in the ring. Like, just the gloomiest, just dreariest weather. And the only, I think most of the water they got, the drinking water they got, had to be rainwater, because it rained there like every day. And the most depressing thing that I saw was entering a salmon shop because all they had there was literally just salmon. That's the only food product they had there was salmon. And the most quirky food product they had was cream cheese with salmon. Oh, so Alaska. Right? So Alaska. And... Working at the counter, the register, was a girl about my age at the time, like 16, 17, just working. And she had the most depressed look on her face. You could tell that all of her family's income relied on the earnings of that one store. And there was no other place. There was no there were no like movie theaters or or venues close by where she could hang out with friends, if she even had time to hang out with friends. And there I was, completely oblivious to all of this. I noticed all this depressing shit after the fact, by the way. I was just there, and I was, and and it's just like, she was just miserable, you could tell. And... Oh my god. And there I was, just the most complete the most oblivious person in the world asking her, "Hey, yeah, they had like this little spread of free samples of the crackers with salmon cream cheese on top. It was like smoked salmon cream cheese and I was just like, "Hey, um, do you mind if I try a sample?" And sh- this is li- th- sh- like she talked like there was no point to doing anything. She was like, "Yeah, sure, man." That's exactly what she sounded like. And if she wasn't, that's how I remember it. And I took three, <laughs> I took three different crackers, and I was like, "Hmm, hmm, that's that's nice. Mm, that has a nice tone to it," as if I were tasting wine. And then I left to go back on the cruise ship, which, by the way, I hate going on cruises now because shit is so depressing, and also too many fat old people, too many fat sweaty old people. To get comfortable. Um, uh, and then I went back. And our cruise ship sailed away from the dock. Bye-bye, depressed teenage girl who's probably going to a subpar university because, again, it's Alaska. Or she's probably going to Harvard. One of the two things. She goes to the trashy local community college in Alaska. Or she goes to Harvard. Because she has the biggest sob story in the world. And her college essay would definitely begin with the phrase, uh, what would it begin with? 
I don't know what it would, be, it would begin with. It would probably either be the best beginning of the college essay, of any college essay, or the typical, where do I begin? I don't know how college essays start. It's been a while. I know how my college essays, actually, I don't know. I don't know how my college essay started. It was like, I don't know. I made sure to use a good vocab word at the beginning, though, because that's how you grab the attention of the very, very old people that review your college essays, who are probably retired English professors who don't even take five minutes to read the whole thing. Uh, and that's true. Um, what's next on Le Docket? This is probably going to be one of those trash episodes, seriously. Hey, um, why do all the photos of the f like food items at a Chinese restaurant or a takeout place, you know they, they have like an array of all these signature or featured dishes they have like at the very front counter why do all of them look like they had photos taken of them in the 1950s like they're so blurry honestly it's the same quality as the photos that people claim to have taken of bigfoot it's just like um i know that's not the real thing and like you're trying to hide any imperfections in it it's like they take a photo of it, make sure that it's as blurry as possible, and put it behind a color-tinted plastic window. Yeah, this is what the sesame chicken looks like, a bunch of brown shavings. But when you get it, it's the best thing you've ever eaten in your goddamn life. That is, until you get the runs. Okay, and you promise yourself you're not going to eat it ever again, until next week rolls around and you forget how that dump after that eating that sesame chicken felt. So you're like, hmm, I think I'll order it again, this time with the huge side of beef lo mein. Uh, didn't you learn your lesson? Uh, didn't learn your lesson. Uh, and dude, it's what's great about my local Chinese takeout place is the lady that works at the front counter. She, she does everything. She mans the chefs in the back. She yells so loud in Chinese. It's like whenever there's like an, another order or she needs to check on the food, it sounds like she's scolding them. And then she's like, she does all this work. And what's great is that she calls every guy that comes there bro it's like she was taught it's not sir you actually have to in order to be more um approachable to the customer you you address them in the local dialect bro and i saw her calling a senior guy who's the most senior senior citizen he's like the quintessential senior citizen like all the wrinkles, all the baldness, balding, all the white hairs coming from his ears. And he's there. He's standing in line to get his pickup order. And they have two, two lines. Um, they have two lines to pick up. And she has people alternate which line they go to as each person comes in. So the guy comes to my line, even though I got in that line first. And she's like, hey, bro, I got you over there. I got you over there. And I'm like, wow, this is the best Chinese takeout place ever. At that point, I didn't care if the food was good or bad. It was great, by the way. But I didn't care if the food was good or bad. 
the fact that she called the guy bro made me want to go there every day. Because what does she call women? I've never heard her call a lady something. I've never heard her say ma'am. I never heard her say anything. Because every time I was there, it was a guy that would come in if it was any new person that came in the restaurant. So I wonder what she calls the ladies. And I'm hoping to God (laughs) that she takes, um, that she learned to address women the same by by listening to every rap song ever, which is, hey, yo, bitch, I got you over there. Hey, yo, bitch, I got you. Just give me a second, bitch. Hold on. Hold on, bitch. Give me five minutes. Give me five minutes, bitch. Hey, bro. Hey, uh, can you tell your bitch to, (laughs) can you tell your bitch to hold on one second? Can you tell your bitch to move down to that? Dude, that would be the best thing ever. And I really hope that that's the case. I And even better, I wonder if someone got offended. And if so, what did they do about it? Ah. Now, obviously, I know that that is not the case at all. But, you know, a man can dream. A man can dream, right? That's all I can do at this point. I mean, I know quarantine is about to end, so I'll finally have other stuff to do than this podcast bullshit. And, I mean, not that I'll stop. I mean, I love this. But, I mean, you know, when I'm not doing my podcast or reviewing, you know, subjects for my schoolwork in college, what else am I doing? Like, I mean, I'm at home right now, so I play, you know, Skyrim, you know, some video games. Far Cry 5, you know, all that shit. But it's like, what else is what else is there to do? You know? Just binge. I First of all, it took me two weeks to finish Game of Thrones because I binged the shit out of it. And now I'm watching the show Snowpiercer and David Diggs is a little bit too performative at times. You know, a little bit of that theater in him. <laughs> well, if you deny my willingness to fight then you're mistaken. It's like, dude, tone it down a little bit, okay? You don't need to be that performative. It's it's film, okay? We can see and hear you perfectly. You don't need to amplify yourself at all. Be Liam Neeson. Ah, but if you... But if you deny my willingness to fight, you're mistaken. Oh, my God. I think that's a good place to stop. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, hopefully the next episode will be a little bit better. Um, but I do appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. I will see you. Or I will, I won't, I I don't know who any of you are really. Um, just stay tuned for the next episode. Uh...